What's up, guys? Welcome into a week one edition of Chargers Weekly Money. We've been talking about this season at nauseum since it ended. It's finally back. Uh, what are the emotions for you, my friend? You know, it's just been a busy week, which is great. I, I, you know, I love the work. I love love doing this with you every week. Uh, I was on with with Kay Adams on Up and Adams, her new show over there on FanDuel TV on on Tuesday, talking Chargers. Um, doing Jim Rome later today, talking oh, yeah. Chargers. You know, I've gotten calls from like all of our opponents, like, "Hey, can we do a season preview? We're doing all of our opponents." You know, all that stuff that you know, reminds you, and I say it just because it reminds you the season's here. Like, that's how geeked people get is, is when the, the when week one arrives, my phone just goes crazy. And it's, um, and I love it. I, I, you know, I'm not trying to say, oh, everybody wants to talk to me. No, that, that happens to everybody. It just so happens that I'm the play-by-play voice for the Chargers. And, you know, that's, that's what happens. People get freaking geeked. And I'm no different. And I can only imagine what the players are feeling right now. Because like you said, I mean, we had done, what have we done? 16 of these, 20 of these, you know, just kind of projecting and wondering. And I know that's still kind of what the theme of this is going to be because we don't know what it's going to look like. Coach Staley mentioned that. But yeah, I mean, we got a a specific game to talk about. A a specific opponent that will be with us in a couple days at the time of this taping. And that's exciting. I always love doing this podcast with you, but when it's in season and we're talking games and we actually have concrete stuff to, to talk about rather than project if uh, Zion Johnson's going to be the 17th overall pick or Jamison right. Williams or whatever, uh, this is where it, it really counts. And, and later on, Trent Green, who's on the call with Kevin Harlan, going to join us, pop in here in the next 15 minutes or so. So excited to get Trent's perspective on this big time matchup. And I tell you, I, I think that this is the game of the week. I'm not just saying that because this is the Chargers podcast. I mean, we, we were both there in Las Vegas in perhaps the, the, the craziest regular season game in league history, and these two teams going to pick up where they left off. But in Los Angeles, the Chargers have never opened a season at home against the Raiders since they've been the Chargers in 1960. Oh, wow. It's the first time this has ever happened, which is crazy to me. Um and there's, there's so many storylines, and I think somebody asked Coach Staley yesterday, Money, about the, like, the revenge factor, and he said, like, this is, this is two different operations, two completely different teams, a new coaching staff over there. So for, for some of the guys, maybe there's a little revenge on their mind. Maybe they're going to think about that, uh, that Week 18 game in Las Vegas. But for the most part, this is a completely new operation, and we're going to see – especially this this remade defense for the first time together on the grass Sunday. Yeah, I just um, I opened up the 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 card uh, to my right just because I want to make sure and, I, and it's funny you started with that because it's the exact point I'm going to make is so many fans like and I'm not trying to take a shot at the fans. That's not the point of this. Like for fans. Yes, this is a revenge game. It's it's you've been you know, your your buddies that are your are Raider fans have been giving you the business all offseason. Uh, <laughs> you've been giving the Raider fans the business because of all the offseason projections of what the Chargers are going to be, and everyone's picking the Raiders to finish fourth in the division or whatever. Like, that does not affect the players at all. Football is hard, man. It's a hard, violent, physical, nasty sport. And uh, the idea of revenge because, oh, I can't believe they did this to us back in Week 18. Now that has nothing to do with what's going to be out there when they kick it off at 125 on Sunday. Uh, and when, as I'm looking at the card, like I'm just looking at the offensive line, you know, of 
Colton Miller, who's there at left tackle, but then you've got John Simpson, Andre James, Lester Cotton, and Illuminor. Like it's, it's just like that's the game. Like that is the the game. game. That's it right there. It is that versus Joey Bosa, Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, Khalil Mack. That's Kyle Van Noy. That is the game right there. You know that to me is is what we're going to be talking about. And I think the flip side of that, because of how that Week 18 ended, Max Crosby versus Storm Norton just wrecking the game, is going to be the other side of it. You know, does Trey hold up at right tackle? Is Trey McKitty on his outside? How much is Gerald Everett playing because of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones? Is is Rashawn Slater picking up where he left off as an all-pro? That's the game. Like, that's... That's what we're going to be focused on, not one th- what one happened th- in week 18 in, in January, you know, eight months ago. I was thinking about this last night. Like, what are the keys to this game, especially in week one where there's so much unknown? We have no idea how Josh McDaniels is going to come out. But the one thing that, that stuck with me was Brandon Staley talking about being a dominant team and a physical team. And you're going to have to impose your will on this Raiders offensive line. If you're Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa and Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, Morgan Fox and Jerry Taylor, all these guys, uh, you have the more dominant defensive line. And then, frankly, the offensive line, you're going to have to impose your will there. And we know Justin Herbert is going to to score. Uh, I have uh, very little doubt that that's going to happen. 100%. But I, I think that they're going to have to run the football too, Money, and they're going to have to show that they are a physical team running the football. Um, you don't want to take the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands, but late in games, late in the half, when you have to sustain drives, like I, I want to see Austin and Sony Michelle and Josh Kelly, whoever it's going to be, Spiller, who's now full participant in practice this week, I want to see those guys getting four yards of pop, chewing clock when you have to. That was the missing element to this. So I, I 100% agree with you. In the trenches is where this game is going to be won in week one. Yeah, you know, it's I mentioned, um, you know, and I'm not trying to plug it, but it's just because it's top of mind. I just did it yesterday, but I do power rankings for, for FanDuel. And like when I was putting it together, I'm like, OK, how am I going to do this one through 32? We haven't seen any games. Rosters change every year. You know, some people are like, well, the defending Super Bowl champs deserve to be at number one. And I'm like, well, you know, look at the difference that 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 Whitworth made. You know, when he showed up at left tackle, how much that changed everything for Sean McVay when he was able to get Saffold and Whitworth and Havenstein Stein and all those guys. Like, that changed everything for that team. It was nothing before they had that settled. So as I'm looking through, I'm thinking about the Packers last year who lost Bakhtiari and never missed a step. I'm thinking about the Bills and protection they gave Josh Allen to – distribute to Gabe Davis and make him a star and, and Stefan Diggs. And, and then I think about the Chiefs and how, you know, between Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith, they were able to revamp that entire offensive line that was not good in the early season, but came on late. Like that's, that's so important. And that's why I think so many people are picking the Saints. Like everyone's got this sleeper team. Oh, look out for the Saints. Yeah. Because Tom Brady lost four-fifths of his offensive line. He lost all three guys that are in front of him, his center and his two guards, and and those guys were all pros. So, like, I don't think that's a coincidence. Like, that's – that's there's there's a reason why people are picking the Eagles to win the East because of their offensive line and their defensive line, why they're picking the – you know, if they are picking the Bucs, they're looking at that defensive line. You know, that's what this ultimately comes down to. The Bills, the second – the, the, the second string of their defensive line would start for probably 20 
NFL teams on a defensive line. Like, that's how deep they are up front. And I think that's the other thing with the Chargers is the emergence of Chris Rumpf, the ability to put Van Noy as a backup edge rusher, you know, and have Tranquil Man the middle. Um, if you have to get Tillery out there on an edge or, or Kenneth Murray on an edge, like when you can bring waves of pressure, um, it changes everything. And, and I think that's the one thing that was overlooked with the Bengals. Um, and their magical run last year to the Super Bowl was how good that defensive front played. And then the back end, secondary, you know, as we tape this, uh, Coach Staley mentioned that J.C. Jackson is out of his boot. He's running. He's day-to-day. He's a game-time decision. Um, so as we get closer, I'm sure we'll know more about J.C. and his status. But if he doesn't go, you still have Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. You bring in Bryce Callahan. Obviously, we're going to see the, the debut of Derwin James wearing that number three next to Nazir Adderley. Um, uh, they're going to have a tall task, though. Um, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, uh, that's about as good it's as nasty. it gets in terms of, of offensive weapons and, and route running. And I, I know you can speak to this because you've talked about the fact that Derek Carr, he's going to have to get the ball out of his hands very quickly uh, with Khalil Mack and, and Joey Bosa breathing down his neck on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, look, Derek does not want to hold the ball. You know that. He's, he doesn't like it. You know, he, he finally came he wants around. He to get rid John of it. Gruden was like, hey, man, you got to hold the ball. We got to get some downfield shots, open this thing up. But he doesn't like to do it. And it was interesting, you know, as, as you go through social media, I think it was pro football focus, uh, their fantasy uh, feed put it up. And it had best receiver corner matchups. Uh, and Devontae Adams was on there. And they're projecting probably that J.C. Jackson's going to be out. And you're going to have either Mikey Davis or, or Asante Samuel on Devante. And yeah, okay, that's advantage Devante. Problem with that is, it goes back to what we talked about. You've got to have time to throw the football. Like, you, yeah. you, you can't. And that's where I think people get frustrated with fantasy players and, and people that, that try to project what's going to happen in a football game from a fantasy standpoint. It's like, okay, yeah. On paper, if J.C. doesn't go, it does look like an advantage for Devontae Adams. But I just gave you that offensive line of the Raiders. If they're not slowing down Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, it doesn't matter. Like, no, it, doesn't it doesn't matter. matter. And An average secondary becomes an elite secondary because there's no separation. You don't have time to have development in your routes. So that's that's where it's going to come, come into play. Now, having said that, this is as good of a three-man three you know, receiving crew that we're going to see all season. I, I don't know if there's anyone better out there than Devontae Adams, who might be the best all-around receiver in the game. Darren Waller, who's an absolute load to contend with and is probably going to draw Derwin James for the entirety of the contest. And Hunter Renfro, who's as slippery as it gets. I mean, look, no one runs routes like Keenan Allen, you know, or D-Hop or Devontae. But man, Hunter Renfro is slippery. And Bryce Callahan's going to have his hands full. It almost kind of plays into, I guess, Carr's hands with what the game plan should be, right? He gets the ball. He gets the ball out of his hands very quickly. Um, and this may be the game where he's going to have to do that often with Renfro and Waller and Adams. And um, you don't want to give him those extra few seconds down the field with Devontae Adams. I th- he spoke yesterday about the fact that, hey, the, the first time that uh, me and Devontae connect as Raiders – they're going to look at this connection and be like, oh, wow, look at this new connection. He's like, we've been doing it for 13 years. So th- there is chemistry there between Carr and, and Adams. And 
I, I think that's just another uh, wrinkle to this game. Really, the route running ability of both Adams and Keenan, and then you look at yeah. tomorrow uh, or tonight rather with with Cup and uh, and Stephon Diggs. It's like a route running clinic at SoFi Stadium this week. Yeah, I'll tell you um, the the thing that you know if I if I if I were to say okay, what concerns you about this game? I think back to 2018 and the Patriots game and the Patriots playoff contest when, you know, you got Melvin and you got Derwin and you got Joey and you just wrecked the Ravens, you know, it wrecked them. Uh, Lamar Jackson didn't have a chance, fumbled the ball over the place. They were in the backfield. Chenna had a monster game uh, and they just couldn't, they, they got no time to, you know, he had no time to pass. Then all of a sudden you get to New England, they win the coin toss and they take the ball you're like, what the heck? And it's just, ball was out. Pass rush didn't matter. It's like, and you could just see the frustration on Joey's face. Like, dude, I, the ball is gone. It's, it's snap, ball's gone. And I think that's, that's the Josh McDaniels. I think if you're, if you're worried about something, you know, as a Charger fan, if you're concerned, that to me is I think about that blueprint of how they played Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram in that playoff game and how quickly that ball was out. Now I feel like a fool doing analysis with Trent Green on the screen because who the heck am I to talk about what the game plan is going to be from coach McDaniels. Hey, I was, I, believe me, I'm listening. I, Hey, I, um, you, you are, uh, you know, right on point. It's there, there's a lot to dive into when, uh, when trying to prepare for this game. Uh, Trent Green joining us now. He'll be on the call with Kevin Harlan this Sunday. Trent, it's a, it's a privilege to have you on here, man. Thank you so much for taking some time. Um, we were saying this at the beginning. I think you and Kevin have the best game of the of the week. Uh, well, we're we're biased, but yes, we agree with you on that <laughs> one. <laughs> we uh, we were keeping our fingers crossed that, uh, that this was a game. You know, you start to see how it lays out, and and you kind of haven't been in it long enough. You kind of see who's going to go where, and um, you know how the how the different crews will. And, and so it's it's kind of funny because we all take our guesses, and this is the one that we guessed we would get, and we're uh, we're very happy to have this game. I was just, um, I don't know how much you caught of it on the back end, Trent, but I brought up, you know, what Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick drew up in that 2018 playoff game. The Chargers were coming off that big win against the Ravens. They made a mess of the backfield, uh, a bunch of sacks, some strip sacks and fumbles. And and then they get to, to New England and the ball is out so fast and you could just see the frustration from from Joey and Melvin Ingram that it wasn't going the same way as it was in, in Baltimore. Can you share with us and, and the people watching and listening, like how fast is fast? How quick does that ball have to be out if the Raiders have O-line issues and, and Khalil Mack and Joey are, are really getting after it? Well, you know, that's that's the thing. You know, I think there's a stat when when Brady was in New England his success and completion percentage and what he was able to do when he got the ball out in under two seconds, his success and completion percentage when he got the ball out between two and two and a half seconds, and then the drastic drop-off it was once it was over two and a half seconds. So so you're right on point. That, w- that was the way it was designed. He was trying to get quick throws. You know, it wasn't the, uh, you know, the era of Randy Moss and, you know, him throwing for 5,000 yards and throwing the ball downfield. It was all about quick release, getting to the underneath throws and, and uh you know, that's one way to look at it. But then you also look at the fact that uh, Josh McDaniels and the Raiders went out and got Devontae Adams. So if you're going to bring in Devontae Adams, you're not going to just throw him five and ten yard throws. You're, you're going to take those opportunities to take some shots. Um, but I do think there is a blueprint there. When you have edge rushers like the Chargers do, uh, you better get that ball out quick because they're going to uh, create some havoc. 
Trent, you flip it to the Chargers offense and Justin Herbert and his development over the first two years and just all the records he's set. Um, and it's year two for him in this Joe Lombardi offense. I don't know if you could just speak to what you've seen out of Justin um, and how he progressed in this offense this past year and, and what to expect maybe in 2022. Well, I, I think there were big jumps for him from year one to year two. First off, the numbers he's put up over the first two seasons are, are ridiculous. And, and I thought highly of him coming out of college. Uh, what he was able to do his rookie year really uh, impressed me quite a bit. Uh, changing offensive coordinators, changing staff, staffs, offenses, those kinds of things, that always worries you with a young quarterback. And, and I thought he handled it very well. I thought he played better as the season progressed, as he got more and more comfortable in what uh, Lombardi was trying to get done. And, and I expect him to, you know, I expect him to just keep going. I, you know, I, I think that he's got a good grasp on things. He's obviously surrounded with a bunch of talent uh, in, in terms of his weapons. And He's not afraid to stand in there. You know, I went back and I, I watched a few games from last season uh, just to kind of get, you know, just kind of get ready for this game. Uh, I forget, and I think a lot of people forget, how mobile he is. You know, because he's such a big guy, he has such a big arm. Uh, you know, he. <laughs> I was laughing at this one play. He goes to roll out. He's getting pressure. He literally takes his left hand while, he, while he's sitting there holding the ball. He takes his left hand, grabs onto the defender that's chasing him. He throws him by, and then he throws the ball. It's like not only is he big and strong, but then you know when he when he needs to take off and run, he can. So uh, his development, uh, what he's been able to do the first two years, I do think it's just uh, going to continue to grow. And uh, you know you don't want to put too much pressure on the guy, but I know you guys have talked to him. I know you've been around him. He doesn't seem like the moment's too big, and uh, and I thought that was the first impression. I got him, got from him as a rookie when we had a chance to talk to him. He just was like, this is what I do. This is, you know, what I'm focused on doing. And, uh, you know, I, I just think he handles it all really well. And, and uh, I expect him to have a long and successful career. Trent, share the, the difference between size versus speed in, in receivers. I'm not saying, like, pick which one's better and stuff. But you just kind of – you look at the Chargers receiving core and – Oh, they need to get a speed guy. But they would push back and say, no, Mike's a vertical threat. And when that ball's in the air, corners have no chance against him. The, the Kansas City Chiefs remade their receiving core, and it looked like they prioritized size over speed. What are the benefits for each? And, and when you look at, at the receiving core of the Chargers, how does that, you know, what kind of impression do you get from what they have for targets from Justin and the way he likes to distribute the ball? Well, I, I just think a lot of it, you, you mentioned Mike and, and obviously the way he's able to stretch the field. Keenan has been phenomenal his entire career. Uh, the number he's been able to put up, what he does on third down, what he does in the red zone. Um, I was really impressed with Palmer as the pre, as the season progressed a year ago, so I'm looking for him to make a jump. That would be uh, that would be great for Herbert. I think uh, Austin Eckler staying healthy uh, is is a big factor. You look at what he did last year, um, you know, over 1,500 yards and, and the 20 touchdowns, which I'm sure you guys have talked about because it's phenomenal what he was able to do when staying healthy. So I think he's got plenty of weapons around him. I, I don't think you necessarily – need that, uh, you know, over-the-top big threat guy, which which they do have in Mike Williams. So, um, I, you know, speed is hard to find. I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs make an adjustment without Tyreek Hill. Um, they've, got a lot, they've got a couple of good guys that they brought in, and Juju Smith-Schuster and, and uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But they're going to change up their offense, you know. And if you look at this whole division, what the Chargers have done, what the Raiders have done, what the Broncos have done, you know, 
trying to chase the Chiefs and, and, and get to where they've been and what Andy and Patrick have been able to do over the last few years, I think the Chargers are right on pace with that. And that's why you go out and you make the acquisitions and, and do what you do on the defensive side of the ball if you're, you know, Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco. So, um, you know, to answer your question, speed versus, uh, you know, route running and those kinds of things, I think it's always nice to have a fast guy. Uh, but you need guys that can get open, and uh, that makes the job a lot easier for the quarterback. You know, Trent, it's always hard to get a, a read on week one anyway, and then you add in Josh McDaniels and kind of the unknown there. Uh, what's it like for you preparing for a week one game, both as a, as a player and as a broadcaster? Because I feel like week one is a, it's just a, it's such a, a different – it's a different Sunday than really any other during the regular season. Well, it, it definitely is. And, uh, I, I, you know, not to crush the, the spirit of fans out there everywhere, but I don't, I don't watch a lot of the preseason. I don't, you know, because I, I know that's yeah. not, you know, it's really an evaluation period for young players. Coaches are trying to put the young guys, keep it simple for them so that they can play fast. They want to evaluate football players, not guys that are out there thinking and running slow. So I don't put a lot of merit into the preseason. I think preparing for this game – You've got to go back and look at what Josh McDaniels did when he had, you know, Mac Jones and then he had Tom Brady, but then he had Tom Brady with certain receivers and then he had Tom Brady with other receivers. I mean, I think I think they've adjusted that offense based on the personnel that he had in New England. And uh, and and you look at, you know, you look at all the weapons, um, you know, that, that now Derek Carr has and, and what they're doing with Waller and obviously Devontae Adams and, and, you know, Hunter Renfro put up a phenomenal year a year ago. And so. Uh, you look at those things and it's like, okay, how's, how's San Diego going to prepare for what Josh McDaniel is going to do? What do you go back and study? Well, for me, I kind of look at all those different phases. How did, how did he handle, you know, the different quarterbacks, the different systems, and then what receivers and people were surrounding him. So it does make it a lot harder. Um, but as you can tell from my voice and the speed with which I'm talking, I'm excited about this. Uh, I'm excited about this matchup. <laughs> Uh, offensive line is so important. We saw the difference in, in what Justin was able to do last year when the left side just held up. And, uh, and then you saw, you know, the, the exploitation of that right tackle in week 18 with Max Crosby just having a, a heck of a day. You know, with what they have now, and it's going to be Trey Pimpkins, uh, and now Storm's a swing tackle, which I would assume is nice to have, you know, someone that's got that kind of experience that can be a swing. But how do you, you know, when you're going into a game, Trent, what, what are you looking at with Trey at the right tackle and kind of the rest of that line and trying to slow down Chandler Jones and, and Max Crosby? What's the most effective way to attack that pass rush? Well, I, I think, you know, when I go back to my kind of my old school mentality is if you have those big, you know, up the field pass rusher guys, what we would generally try and do is get physical with them, which means running downhill, right? You just want to get physical with them, wear them out early get the run game going, get those guys to slow down a little bit, which can get the play-action pass going, which, once again, slows them down a little bit. Those are, those are kind of things. I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, what, uh, you know, what they want to do. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to have – you know, I'm, I'm kind of impartial to Slater. He played at Northwestern with my, with my older son, so I, I watched him all through college. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, I think this is a this is a very big year for Pipkins. You mentioned the fact that you know he'll be on the right side. I think that uh, you know this is a huge year for him, and what and what a great challenge coming out in week one, and uh, it's going to be a challenge throughout the whole season. As as we know, the AFC West is stacked, but the AFC West schedule 
is stacked for every single team in the division in terms of uh, strength of schedule and who they have to play. So uh, from an offensive line standpoint, to get back to your original question, I think what I always went into it and looked at it was, okay, can we run the football? Can we get physical with them? Can we slow them down and get the play-action pass? And then the other thing is, from a passing game standpoint, you know, move that landmark. You know, move the quarterback around. Get the ball out of his hands quick. Uh, you got to sprinkle in some play action. You got to move them around. You don't want them to just stand back there and be a target. And, and I've always said a good play caller can help the quarterback out, but the good play caller can really help his offensive line out and, and how he's able to do that and, and protect them if they think there are some deficiencies somewhere along the front. But, uh, you know, that's that's what, uh, you know, you, you look at this matchup and, and what the Raiders have done. You know, both these teams have really – changed quite a bit defensively they weren't happy with where they were defensively uh and I want to say each team is going to have at least five new starters uh I know I know the Chargers yeah. aren't going to have or it doesn't look like JC Jackson's going to play so that would be the that would be the fifth new starter for them but um you know both teams are trying to change it up which which once again makes it a little more difficult to prepare for them not knowing what uh what exactly they have confidence in doing such a big game for for both teams in week one Trent and then you know, if I could fast forward just four days later, they're going to Arrowhead for the Chiefs' home opener Thursday night football. Uh, this division, uh, we've talked so much about it this offseason. From someone who has direct knowledge with the Chiefs and you're, you're there, um, you see the Raiders, you see what the Broncos have done, and you see what the Chargers have done, how would you sum up what this division may look like this upcoming season? You know, it's interesting to see what different predictions are around the country. And, and there are several people predicting three teams from this division to make the playoffs. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked. I think, I think you know, three of the better teams, if not four of the better teams in the NFL are, are in this division. Um, the hard part is going to be just the, the schedule and the fact that the teams are beating each other up. I mean, they're playing each yeah. other twice, and it's, you know, that takes its toll. So who's going to be the healthiest down the stretch? Um, the schedule is, is, like I said, we've talked about it. it it's tough for every team in the division. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. There, there's a reason there's so much attention placed on, on the NFC or so much attention placed on the AFC and so much attention placed on the AFC West just because of uh, all the shaking up that's going on this offseason. Uh, last thing from me, Trent, and we, we certainly appreciate the time. Uh, game one coming up on Sunday. You'll be on the call with, with Kevin Harlan. We'd love to know, because um, I'm sure it's going to come up in, in the broadcast, and, and obviously we're partial and we're biased because uh, we work with the Chargers, but like I love the fourth down stuff, man. I, and, and I could feel it when, when he would kick long field goals and some of those games against the Vikings comes to mind, the Texans comes to mind. You just felt kind of air let out of the balloon a little bit of this team. Like it felt like the team really galvanized and identified with that aggressive mentality of, of Brandon Staley as, as someone who played and, and knows what that juice feels like when you get that, that green light from your coach, kind of walk us through your thoughts of how Brandon approached coach Staley approached last year with fourth downs and, and, and sort of, you know, your thoughts of how he might adjust this year now that he's got a better defense and a better special teams unit. Well, better defense, special, better special teams means he's going to be even more aggressive, don't you think? I mean, <laughs> which, right? which may make it a little scary for opponents, but uh, I, I'm, I'm all in on what he was doing. I, uh, you know, I'm, I like the analytics part of it. I think you do also have to have a feel part of it and understand it. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the conversation 
that we had with him last year. I'm looking forward to the conversation I'm going to have with him this year prior to the game. But, um, you know, he was very calm in explaining what it was he was trying to get done and his approach and, and how he studies the numbers and the percentages. And, you know, you just go down the line. And I know a, a lot was made. Uh, about the uh, the call last year, but look at, I mean, the defense came on the field, held them to a field goal, you know, and if you look at the fourth down conversions that the, that the Chargers had in that game, what they were able to do to keep drives alive, I mean, all the numbers point in his favor, it's just everybody wants to talk about that one call, you know, and and uh, I'm, I'm a fan of it. As a, as a quarterback, as an offensive guy, I'm off. I'm all in for going on, you know, never punting, you know, uh, as a, as a head coach, uh, I don't know if I would have that same mentality, but as a quarterback and as a, you know, um, a competitor, uh, I, you know, going back to what you, what you stated in your question, it does fire the guys up. It fires the offensive guys up. You know, you go into the the mindset and you hear a coach talk about it, you're like, yeah, we were really not going to do that. Then all of a sudden he does it. And you're like, man, this guy believes in us and believes in what we can do. And some people are like, well, what does the defense think? Well, the, that's got to fire the defense up too because you know the coach has confidence in you, uh, you know, stopping him if something would happen. So uh, I do think, uh, you know, I do think he's going to stick with what he's done. Uh, he may even be more aggressive based on, you know, the changes on, on defense. But uh, uh, I'm sure his philosophy is going to be his philosophy. Trent, you're the best. We can't wait to see you on Sunday. And Money, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this to Trent. It was 1998, all right? I'm from the Washington, D.C. area. Um, I was in Ashburn. I was a junior in high school. Jay Brunetti, the equipment manager, took me up to the Ashburn Pavilion to play pickup ball. You were playing, and you were balling. So (laughs) I played pickup basketball with you in 1998. I figured 24 years later... I would give you your props. Thank you. You're a beast on the court, Trent. You know, uh, Jay Bird's the best. He's, uh, you know, he's now with the 49ers. So he's, yeah. you know, he, he was after Washington, went to Houston, and then now with the 49ers. He, yeah, he's unbelievable equipment manager. And, and you're right. Back in the, uh, I guess, the old days, right, um, it, uh, everybody hung out. You know, every, most of the guys lived where the team was. Most of the guys went to the complex. You know, when the season ended, it wasn't like everybody took off. It was – you know, I would go up to the complex, play racquetball, play basketball. It was whatever guys were around. We would just, uh, you know, try and get in workouts, whatever we could do in the off season. So, how about that? It, uh, you know, I was. Uh, I tell people all the time, I was a basketball junkie way before I was a football junkie. I always wanted to. Basketball was my thing. Uh, I didn't play football until seventh grade. I didn't start playing quarterback until eighth grade. And uh, and you know, I just my sophomore year of high school, things kind of went all right for me football wise and and next thing you know i'm like wait somebody's gonna pay for my school by playing football hey guess what football is my favorite sport so um (laughs) but i was uh, i was always a basketball junkie and loved it so uh i'm i'm glad you have that good memory and uh always remember how good of a basketball player i was i appreciate that (laughs) i was i was a diehard man so i'm like listen i'm playing pickup ball with trent green and ashburn right now that was like that was a highlight for me so i appreciate that (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome hey you guys uh have a good one i'm sure we'll talk again throughout the season for sure we appreciate it Trent. have a great call all right we appreciate you. you man trent green cbs we'll see him sunday he'll be calling the game matt money smith Call yeah, I get to, uh, radio. The uh, freaking city palm tree patrol decided to show up outside my window right in the middle of that. So I don't know if can you hear the, the hear mowers that. and the chainsaws and all of that? I didn't hear it. I okay, good. good. 
All right. I can hear, I can hear gonna... a little. Now I can hear a little bit. Okay. Let me. Uh, you keep talking. You talk Chargers, Chris. I'm going to shut these windows so we can uh, get rid of the chainsaws and the freaking <laughs> I, I, wood chippers. I. You know what, buddy? I, I love getting Trent's perspective, not only as a broadcaster but as a quarterback. Um, and I found it interesting that he said that maybe Coach Staley will go for it even more with the better special teams in defense. I would think Ooh. the opposite, but hey, you never know. Yeah. That uh, well, it's and I think that's the, the. I'm glad he made the point too, because so many people um, say, "Oh, well, it's it's an insult to the, it's a slap in the face to the defense." No, no, it's not. It's it's actually a. I believe in you to both sides of the ball. I believe the offense is going to convert, and I'm not worried because if they don't, I've got a defense that I believe is going to hold them to at worst three or you know three and out, and they'll punt and they'll flip the field and we'll get the ball back and and get after it. Um, there's good look. It's not a topic you can avoid. It's going to be talked about by every single – and it's interesting. Like, I remember um, – I can't remember if it was when I was working with the Lakers or, or who it was with, but I would have fans, like, get after me when teams would come to town or and, and you know, they we'd interview someone, and it was an event that had happened a little while ago, and we would ask them about it, and they're like, you know, that's old news. It's like, well, it's not old news for you, though. Like, it's it, it hasn't been discussed – with the Los Angeles Lakers in relation to what this team did on X day. And I think that's what people have to remember. If you're tired of hearing people ask Brandon Staley about the fourth down stuff, well, remember every town he goes to, that's the headline. When we show up in Kansas City, it's up, here comes the fourth down team. And the Kansas City beat writers are going to ask him about it in the press conference and ask the players about it. And that's just how it is. You know, it's, it's, uh, and I don't think he, he doesn't run from it. You know, it's it's part of this team's identity. It's an important part of this team's identity. You know, I know, I think it was Coach Sala got credit for it, but I mean, it's a, a phrase that I've heard around football forever, all gas, no breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's, it's a winning, to me, that's a winning mentality. It, 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 the players are too good. Offenses are too good. Rules are skewed in their favor way too much to not have an all-gas, no-breaks mentality on that side of the ball. And I'm, I'm stoked that, that we got a coach that believes in it. It won the game in Kansas City in week three last year. Exactly right. It won, won the, the game, game against the Browns. Against the Browns. They, they were, they would, if they didn't convert that fourth down, they would have gone down, what, 17, yeah. I think, and, or something. And I think it's interesting that, that Trent brought it up that way, that, that they might go for it more. I would, I would push back and say, no, probably less, just because I would now, think less, too. You can flip the field with a really good punter and J.K. Scott and better special teams and coverage and fair catches and things like that, and then get a three and out, you know, and just get right back after it with your offense. Um, and I th- so I think I think that plays into it. You know, we've talked about that. You know, why do you get a great punter? You know, because you have a great defense and you want to pin a team back and you want to flip the field. And so to me, that's now at the same time, I, I think, you know, when you're at the plus. What plus thirty eight, and you're looking at a you know forty eight yard field goal or something? Yeah, I think they'll go for it. I think I think in those situations you you go for it on the plus side of the field. I think that you know when you're looking at a, a field goal of fifty plus, and you got a fourth and short, and you feel good about the way your offense is playing, I still think that's all gas. I, I don't think that's going to change at all with with the advantage he feels he has, you know, when Justin Herbert's taking snaps under center or in shotgun. And I, I don't think we sh- we should discount the fact that this defense was constructed to 
to take the ball away and score too. I mean, right. Joey Bosa led the NFL in strip sacks last year. He's got Khalil Mack on the other side, who's who's right. that's his specialty. Uh, J.C. Jackson, more interceptions than anybody the last two or three years. Uh, Derwin James can take the ball away. Uh, we we know Nas can take the ball away. I'm hoping that he puts it together yeah. this year. You know, and don't so, forget about Van Noy. You look at Van yeah. Noy's stat lines every year. There's always a couple sacks, a couple forced fumbles. Every now and then, there's an interception. Like that's someone that's got a nose for the ball as well. Um, and I'm expecting. Like, I, I think Drew is going to have a year, too. I think you're going to see a couple turnovers from, from Drew Tranquil. He's just got such a nose for the ball in his run fits. Like, you know, those are just the, – the, that's got forced fumble written all over it. When you think you see a hole and then all of a sudden, bam, it's just filled and you get, you get a lick, yeah. you know, right away. That's how you pop a ball out. And so I think you're going to see that as well. Look, that's – I don't think there's any question that that went into what they wanted to do this offseason. you got to get the ball more. You know, you have got to create more turnovers. So I, I think we're both on the same page in terms of keys of the game. I think it dominate the lines, uh, both offensively and defensively. I, I'd add special teams. Um, we just we, we want to see an improved special teams unit from last year. I think you take out the Cowboys game. It was a preseason. Um, but that's that could be a deciding factor, frankly, in this division. Um, field position, making your field goals. Um, punt coverage, all those things that, that, that I think they address this offseason. We just got to see it now. Yeah, I'll tell you, I think that's the one thing that's overlooked in the, in the Raider game uh, from week 18 is, you know, Dustin Hopkins missed a 51-yard field goal, yeah. you know, at the start of the second half. Like, that's not – everyone's like, oh, you know, you went for it, and they got that field goal when you went for it on fourth and two. And I'm not trying to, to rehash and debate the, the play call there, you know, when you're inside your own – 30 and, and you're going for it on fourth down and they get three points out of it. But let's not forget you missed a field goal. So there's your difference of three points as well, you know, and, and, and that game. So, you know, I, I think there's so many moving parts. Again, it's not basketball. Uh, it's not baseball. It's football. And there are so many things that happen on each individual play and throughout the course of a game that dictate, you know, whether you win or you lose. And I thought Justin put it best and it actually just kind of make it to make it full circle, Chris, what you started with. It's not just a two-minute drill. It's a four-minute drill. And, you know, you've got to have a four-minute drill in this league to keep offenses off the field um, because they're just, especially in this division, man, you know, we, we, I'm not trying to – I, I will not discount the Raiders as much as the fans listen and might want us to. You know, that is a nasty offense. The offensive line I'm not crazy about, and I think it's going to have some issues, and that's where the Chargers are going to get their advantage. But, boy – Trying to slow down those three, Devontae, Darren Waller, and and Hunter Renfro is going to be tough. And and so I, I think it's it's important to keep them off the field. And it's why they went out and got Sony Michelle. And of all the the positions and players and waivers and 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 players that were made available after cut down day, it was a running back that they went out and got. And I think that should be a signal to people that, yeah, they they need and they want that four-minute drill to work better. Last year, they could only run left. They couldn't run right. Uh, I'm sure they're going to try to to get that going this year with the drafting of Zion and and uh, and hopefully with Trey in another year as a blocking tight end and, and Gerald Everett, who kind of does both. He's not just a dude that's going to line up out wide and catch passes as a tight end. So, you know, I think that's that's a huge, huge priority for this team if they're going to, you know, win this division and make a run in the playoffs. I feel pretty good about this running backs room this year. Everybody's healthy. You bring in Sony Michelle. We liked what we saw out of Joshua Kelly, and uh, I think we all have high hopes for Isaiah Spiller. So I, I think there's a nice 
Uh, they need it. Complimentary of backs behind Austin this year. Yeah, they need it. Look, he cannot continue to take the pounding. He, he just he's he's too stubborn. He won't go down on first contact because he's too good. Because he gets hit and he, he'll get you another. You know, I've never seen a running back turn more. Say, you know, like the Barry Sanders. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. a there's a two yard loss staring Austin in the face, and he just bounces off a contact and turns it into a three yard gain. Like he's just so good that way. But you can't keep asking him to do it. And I think that's why. You know, getting Sony was so important to this team and making sure, you know, and I thought Tom put it best. He joined uh, Petros and, and me uh, earlier this week, or was it earlier this week? Yeah, I think it, it might have been. Anyway, yeah, it was earlier this week. And he said, you know, the, the thing with, with the running back room is you can't wait until it's too late. It's, it's a position of attrition. Yeah. So when you're trying to fill it in the middle of the season, that ain't easy. But when you now have Larry on the practice squad, and you've got three, four, you know, you have four backs you feel really good about. Now you feel better about that room um, and, and what you got going into a season. Yeah. And just the, you know, the continuity of the offensive line, too. Just add, add those two factors. Um, I think we are going to see a, a physical running team at, at some points throughout oh, this season. Big I, year I, I would, for Trey. Yeah. Big, big year for Trey, for sure. Um, but I, I hope it starts Sunday. And listen, I want to see Justin throw it around the yard as much as every, anybody in the stands. But, um, if I see Sony Michelle break off a seven yard run and it helps to sustain a eight and a half minute drive, that's gonna win ball games, man. And that's gonna keep Justin fresh too. And and it's gonna it's gonna add another dimension to this offense that maybe was lacking a little bit at times last year. Yeah, I think you know, I think it's important to remember too, is you know, there's Look, Austin Eckler had 20 touchdowns. He didn't have 20 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, you know, exactly. The, the, the extension and those smoke routes and, and screens. We saw some screens set up in the preseason. Um, you know, those are runs, essentially. You know, some of those tunnel, tunnel screens to Keenan and stuff, those are essentially extended runs. So there's ways to keep the clock churning, even though you're throwing the ball. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's the one thing is you can't, you can't cheat your identity. You know, this was a top five offense last year because Austin's better at throwing the ball around than almost every single quarterback in the league. You know, he's in the conversation as the best quarterback, the best thrower. Um, he's one of the most accurate passers. Uh, there was a thing that went up. Uh, shoot, who put it up? Um, darn, I wish I could give the person credit because it was fascinating to see. I don't know if you saw it. Maybe you can help me out. But they were talking about progressions and how many – uh, how many times Justin got to his fifth option? Dude, and I, it was saw more that. Than, I saw that, and I'm a, it's escaping I, 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 me too. Yeah, I want to give them credit because it was really cool to see. Um, and it was more than any quarterback in the league. And they were talking about, yeah, everybody talked. And, and look, Trent came on and he talked about, man, this guy's so big and he's athletic, and we see that and, and everything. And this person was like, what really separates him is look at this. This guy's in the red zone, and he makes it through five progressions in under two seconds. Was it a ringer article? that touchdown pass. Was it, a ring, was, it a, was it from the ringer? I, I, like I said, I wish I could give it credit. I don't know, but man, was it great. It might have been. It might have been a big ringer article, and, and it had those little, you know, it, 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 it showed the progressions that he was working through and how quickly he processes. Yeah. And, and the way it was described is Joe Lombardi has a quarterback that processes as quickly as Drew Brees with the physical gifts that Justin Herbert possesses. And it is lethal when you think about, you know, what Drew's career looked like, you know, with not as big of an arm, you know, by all 
quarterback standards, smaller stature quarterback, and now you've got a guy that's 6'6", 230-plus with that processor, holy hell, look out. And um, I think you might be right. I think Steven, it was a ringer. I think it was Steven Ruiz wrote this piece for the ringer. There um, you go. So look that up because it's really cool to see the video that he pulls and how Justin is working through progressions. And when you can do that, someone's going to be open. When, when you're able to process that quickly, work your progressions for five options – uh, in under two, two and a half seconds, uh, as Trent mentioned earlier, you know, the, the numbers for Tom Brady, you know, under two, under two and a half, and then the difference in the fall-offs success-wise after t- over two and a half. Uh, you just, you know, play to your strengths. So in this piece, I don't know if you remember, Shane Day. Um, it was Shane, yeah, who talked about his favorite throw. His favorite throw, and it was a four-yard touchdown on the opening drive of the Bengals game, week 13. A four-yard right. throw, and he, he kind of went through why that was his best throw of the year. It wasn't the Giants game. It wasn't all, all these right. crazy bombs that, that he's threw throughout the course of the season. It was the, the Bengals, uh, a four-yard touchdown. So, yeah, it, that, that was a great read. I, I retweeted that last week, so... Um, yeah, be sure to check that out. There's Steve a great, Ruiz. there was a cool piece in there too that Shane was talking about. Shane Day, the quarterbacks coach of the Chargers, um, was everybody thought the touchdown to Mike Williams against the Steelers after they had just taken the lead, and then it was just a one play drive, seventy five yards touchdown, uh, was a busted coverage. He's like, that was not a busted coverage. That was Justin Herbert's big brain. Um, yeah. his pre-med degree brain that he's got working. And he, he's like, it was something that we talked about maybe two days before, and he saw it immediately. He saw the safety cheat. He knew exactly where to put his eyes and put the fake. And the second that safety bit, that ball was out and Mike was gone. And um, man, when, whew, when you have that at quarterback, it changes everything. And so it's going to be fun. I mean, it is, it is going to be a fun five days starting on Sunday culminating Thursday night with the first ever Amazon Prime Thursday night football game in a Mahomes Herbert showdown. It is man. it is going to be freaking awesome. I cannot wait, man. I I cannot wait for Sunday and then to turn around, get to Kansas City. We'll know so much about the how the season's going to start uh, a week from Thursday yeah. night, so. We got to figure out how to do this. Like, do we do a You know, it's kind of weird. Like, do we do a I'm, Thursday Post I was talking pre-game. to Brian about it. Why don't we workshop it right now? Why don't we? Do you want to do it Thursday morning from the lobby of the Kansas City? We can do that. Um, or, I mean, maybe I get like wonder. DJ or uh, Haley or Francisco, whoever's around, pop in with us. Might be able to do that. Adrian might be able to do that. Um, yeah, I think that probably makes sense. We do it Thursday from Kansas City. Yeah, I got to see, though. I may be selfishly. We got to figure out a time because it could be Thursday afternoon as we're workshopping this on the air. I'm hopeful uh, as we can recommend things outside of football because we're not just freaking meatheads that got big pigskin for brains. But um, the World War One Museum is in Kansas City. And oh. Dan Carlin, who is one of my favorite historians uh, and has an incredible podcast I can't recommend enough called Hardcore History. Uh, he has got this immersive interactive, not interactive, it's an immersive experience where you put on VR goggles uh, and they take you to Verdun and it's just supposed to be crazy. So that's, like, really, you're doing that Thursday. I'm trying to. I, I'm a little nervous that it's pulling up stakes and leaving town because there's no tickets for that date that we're there. And I'm like, okay, are they just not on sale yet or is it actually closed? If it's closed, I'm going to be heartbroken. And um, this has probably been... 
I've, I've been discussing this too long already, but Hardcore History, Dan Carlin, he's a freaking genius. You will absolutely love it. Wrath of the Cons is That's one of awesome. the greatest bits of audio I've ever listened to in my entire life about the emergence of, of, of Genghis Khan, or as he calls him, because he says it is the correct pronunciation, Genghis Khan, which I never knew. But hey, I'm not going to say it because I'm not a history guy. He is. But check that out. And um, yes, we will do it Thursday from Kansas City. <laughs> Time if we, pending. If we, if we, we got to do it early, we'll do it early. You know, we'll knock it out. Or remember, it's Thursday night football. Could be yeah. late. We give everybody we give everybody time to either watch it live or you know listen to it in your car on your way into work or going to the sofa or going to coming home to watch it on uh, Amazon Prime. So mm-hmm. there you go, money. Anything else to add for Sunday, bro? Uh, wear your powder blues, man. I want to see a nice crowd in in SoFi. We know. Look, there's no walk. There's no getting away from how big you know the Raider Nation is, and and how many how many times they have uh, they have shown up, in, you know, be it in San Diego or in Los Angeles, and what the stadium looks like when Chargers Raiders tangle. So, it looked good last year, man. It was a nice 50-50 split last year. I'd like to see that again this year. You know, a lot of powder blues out, a lot of excitement about this team, and let's get that juice in that stadium and get after it. Let's go. Can't wait to hear you on the call on Sunday, my friend. Um, And can't wait to see everybody at SoFi Stadium, man. We are jacked for this 2022 season. For money, I'm Chris. This has been Chargers Weekly.